ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Norman, you know I love a piece of medical terminology and I learnt a new one this week. Rhinotelexis. Rhinotelexis. Um, if anybody denies having rhinotelexis who's listening to Coronacast, they're a liar. <laughs> Which, of course, is the very fancy term for nose picking. And I can't think of a better use of this podcast uh, all about public health interventions and viruses than to talk about it, Norman. That's right. So what are we on? We're on Coronacast, a show all about the coronavirus, and today, nose-picking. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor, coming to you from Jagera and Turable Land. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan, coming to you from Gadigal Land. And I haven't just picked no, we should, before you, <laughs> this before you topic go on, out of nowhere. There has to be a health warning here. <laughs> if you're listening, given that Coronacast drops early in the morning, if you're eating your breakfast while you're listening to this episode of Coronacast... Maybe just stop for 10 minutes while you listen to us because, you know, there might be the odd little gag. Not joke, gag, but gag. Yeah. Gag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actual yeah. gag, actual gag. Because, no, I haven't just um, plucked this from oh, nowhere. There's God. actually been a piece of scientific research that's come out really recently about the link between rhinotelexis, nose picking, and COVID transmission in hospitals. Yeah, this is a Dutch study where they followed about 400 healthcare workers and surveyed them for, first of all, getting infected with COVID and secondly, their rhinotelexis, their nose-picking habits. And other things, things like having a beard, like other things to do with the face. That's right. And before you get too excited, although we're going to build a whole Coronacast episode on this, before you get too excited about the results of this study, they only had a 52% response rate to this uh, to this survey, but they claimed that they found a significant association with those who admitted to nose picking and the uh, prevalence or the instance of COVID-19 infection. Okay. I mean, I guess I can kind of see where it happens because you're putting your hand in your nose and it's, you know, that's where the virus is. But do you have to pick it to be able to be transmitting the virus? No. Why this might happen could be that you pick up COVID on your hands and then you pass it to your nose. But the other could be that maybe nose pickers gather in groups and you pick your nose and you put it, you know, you <laughs> spread it packs. there. Or, or maybe you affect the microbiome in the nose by your nose picking. There's all sorts of theories to why this might happen. But when you actually delve into rhinotelexis, nose picking, you find this whole world Opening up to you. Okay, then. Well, but just let's close the loop on the COVID study first, because even the author of the study, whose name is Sickens, which is just a very apt doctor's name, yeah. said it was based on observational data and really isn't quite reliable. Yeah, it's it's not reliable. You can sort of take your pick as to whether or not you think it works or is a valid study or not. Oh, I'll take my pick. Good. All right. So let, let's just then take a walk through nose picking as, a, as an issue. And um, because there's... Nobody really knows the true instance of nose picking, but it's probably almost universal. And there's a fascinating study of primates and nose picking. This study of primates actually looks at uh, different species of primate and the, the, their propensity to pick their nose, shows that it's a, a high propensity to pick their nose. But it's not just picking their nose in primates. It's actually they pick their nose... Okay, this is where the health warning comes in, and they eat it. <laughs> so it's. <laughs> Let's not nose pick shame. I don't know why I'm laughing. I don't know why I'm laughing here. No, okay. Here I here's my hot take. It's boogie eating here. Here's my hot take, Norman. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, it's cool teak, actually. If the Lord didn't want us to pick our noses, they shouldn't have made our finger the same shape and size as our nostril hole. Yeah, look, that's that's right. And particularly with primates, our, our, our digits are almost exquisitely designed to excavate the nasal cavity. And so this, 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 this um, study actually relates primate nose picking to tool use. That you know, There's some relationship <laughs> between the two. So it shows uh, like a higher evolution level. A higher evolution level and maybe that there is uh, some benefit. I'm not quite sure really how much they're you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel, so to speak, and getting this benefit. But in fact, so the point here is it goes back in evolution. It's not a new thing. And it's not exclusive to humans. And it's not exclusive to humans. But there is a microbiome in the nose, which one needs to take account of. And um, there's been all sorts of studies of the nasal microbiome, and nobody really knows its extent. There's probably well over 150 different species in the nose. They compete with each other. And like the biome in the bowel, there's a lot of diversity there. And when you lose diversity, for example, when you are on antibiotics, then other species come in like Staphylococcus aureus. And that can, you know, and that can be, a, the nose can be a source of, of methicillin-resistant, antibiotic-resistant staph to the rest of the body. So that's, and, and that's pretty well documented. The extent to which nose picking is involved is not been fully understood, but the idea is that you touch your nose and you touch the rest of your body and you can get sores or spread of the Staphylococcus aureus to other people. So you could you could be spreading it from that, but then on the other side of it, maybe the reason this protective microbiome exists when you're well is maybe populated by this as well, by, by nose picking. Correct, which is presumably part of the primate story. And then there's the story of Alzheimer's disease and dementia. Okay. And there have been several studies over the years. In fact, two of them are Australian studies looking at risk factors for Alzheimer's disease. So one of them was quite a few years ago by a group of very reputable researchers in Australia looking at the risk factors for dementia. And they looked at all sorts of things like head injury. And this was an early study showing that head injury does in fact increase the risk of dementia. But they also indicated that in fact, nose picking might do it as well. And there is a rational reason for that, a biological reason for that is that the olfactory epithelium, so this is the breathing tissue. Cells lining your, where you can take up smell? Yes, that's right. So I'm pointing to it now at the top of my nose, but it's inside my nose. Um, that's actually an outgrowth of the brain. And then the, you know, if there's an infectious cause of some forms of dementia, then it could be that the entry point is through the olfactory epithelium and therefore nose picking would not be a good idea. So the they don't know which organisms you might be thinking. Uh, organism we might be thinking of here, obviously herpes zoster is one theory, but that might not be through the nose. Another is a bacterial infection called chlamydia pneumoniae. So the theory is that nose picking could introduce bugs into the bowel, and there's also been a study in mice, again from Australia, from Griffith University, showing that you can actually get the pathological changes of Alzheimer's disease in mice when you introduce this bug. But this is, a, this is a research project in mice and does not simulate the human situation. My other question there, though, is that if nose picking is nearly universal, as you say, how do they actually separate out this potential cause and effect? Exactly. It might just be prejudice against nose pickers here and, uh, and going after low-hanging fruit if it's not too... <laughs> you know, anyway, the metaphor is getting a bit <laughs> off here, but the... The idea that nose picking is bad for you is quite entrenched and it's pretty disgusting anyway. 
and probably we should avoid it if we can. Okay, so um, as much as you're sort of saying that there's scientific moralising happening, Norman, I'm getting a subtext from you that you're being a bit judgy about it. So if people do want to cut down on ranitolexis, is there any evidence base to how to quit it? No, look, there are some people for whom this becomes an obsession as part of an obsessive compulsive disorder and it does need treatment. Um, and you know, cognitive behavioural therapy and other forms of therapy uh, may actually help there. Some people think it goes along with something called trichotillomania, which is hair pulling, yeah, and um, so and and skin picking. So there there are some problems associated with mental health issues, which are absolutely serious, need to be dealt with. If it's utterly, if there's obviously an obsessive compulsive component, and there are treatments for that, but for commoner garden nose picking, so to speak. I think you've just got to control yourself. Well, we'd better do some actual uh, COVID serious news today, Norman. Like, what is the latest? I, I thought this was quite serious. You know, nose picking is a serious issue. Don't, don't, don't denigrate it. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. And now it's got a fa- now I know it's got a fancy name. I can take it seriously. But let's talk about we we've been looking over the weeks into the different ways that COVID has prolonged symptoms, and yet another study coming out showing just how long those uh, symptoms, the cognitive symptoms, can hang around. Yeah, this is a British study. We've quoted this before earlier on in the pandemic where the British have been really good at following groups of people through and monitoring their symptoms. And look, long story short, with this with this particular survey, which has followed people through and related symptoms to their infection and found that people who have prolonged symptoms after COVID also have a higher incidence or a significantly raised uh, likelihood of having cognitive problems, thinking and memory problems. Whereas people whose symptoms of COVID have resolved don't have, when you measure their cognitive performance, their cognitive performance is normal. So to summarise, if you've had COVID, your symptoms have gone, according to this study, and you do a cognitive test, the cognitive test is normal. But in fact, if you continue to have COVID symptoms of any kind, really, then you do a cognitive test, you are more likely to have some cognitive performance problems. Does that not just stand to reason, though? Like, if I've got if I've got respiratory symptoms or really any kind of symptoms, I'm distracted and frustrated by them anyway. How do we separate that out? Well, the answer is it's hard, but there you know, there is growing evidence of tangible effects inside the brain of prolonged COVID infection. And it's like it's it's quite possible. Or you're you're right, there could be psychological side effects there. But the the implication there is that the cognitive performance declines by maybe about ten years in these people. Um, it's not necessarily permanent. It looks as though when the symptoms go away, although that's not entirely nailed down in this particular study, that the cognitive performance can improve again. But it does mean, you know, a lot of roads lead to the conclusion that the brain is affected when you have prolonged symptoms of COVID. And when you say decline by 10 years, you mean your brain's acting as if it's 10 years older than what it actually is? There's an implication buried in the paper to that effect. But remember, this is a group of volunteers. It's not a randomised study. It's not a study of the whole population. So like a lot of things we talk about coronacast, you've just got to discount it a little bit in terms of the fact that it's not the perfect study, but it does go together with other studies that are similar, suggesting some cognitive performance decline while you've got COVID symptoms. Well, the best way to avoid that is to avoid getting COVID in the first place. So keep your fingers away from your nose. That's exactly. Right. We'll have to leave it there for this week. We'll see you next Wednesday. Bye till then. Bye.